0: I'd tell you happy Monday, except I hate people that always tell me what day it is. Happy Monday. The small talk king intro of the world. There it is. I just did it. Next time, I promise I'll come better with a better intro. Welcome back. It's Mission Daily. It's me, your host, Albert Chow. And with we always is the boss lady, Stephanie Postles. Stephanie, how's it going?
1: Hey, happy Monday.
0: Oh, dang, dang. <laughs> that is like the corporate America. Like,
1: oh, Friday. Oh. It's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> I know. that is my, <laughs> man, I'm literally going to like think about every email I send now because I'm like, I am like happy Monday. It's a happy week. I'm a happy, like, I don't know. But anyways, it, thanks for making me rethink my whole life. Yeah,
0: I'm not making you rethink anything, okay? <laughs> I'm just thinking back to when I went to daycare and I had my son at All Stars Academy and every single day, the guy that he co-owned it with his family, it was like a family owned operation. He would be there opening and greeting everybody. Super nice guys, gentlemen by the name of <laughs> Joe. Shout out Joe if you're listening. He would- <laughs> every person that walked by he'd be like oh it's monday tuesday wednesday every like, i was like man
1: so something in you was triggered by and that i think this whole episode should be exploring what's inside <laughs> you that's getting triggered by Joe. i did
0: used to tell my wife jokes like once uh you know my kids got out of daycare i was like i told her I was like i'll never know what day of the week it is again like i don't have my guy where's my guy <laughs> Where's my guy, Man. <laughs> Joe. Joe? Shout out, Joe. They ran Sounds a great operation. Guy. You did a great job taking care <laughs> of my son, um, my son, both sons and my daughter. So there we go. But what I was thinking about as I walked into the uh, the studio today was what we talked about last time. And last time we were talking about health and wellness and eating. And, we, you know, we always do a mix of business and a personal life. And, and I saw an article over the weekend about how Soylent has been acquired for everyone who is familiar or maybe you're unfamiliar. So it was supposed to be, and when it came out, it was touted as an ultimate meal replacement drink. Um, It came bottled. I think it was powder form too, if you wanted to. But I remember it was being bottled as ready to, RTD is what the industry calls it, ready to drink. Mm -hmm. It sold in RTD packaging, ready to go, meal replacement. Although similar to many other meal replacements, I'm sure people drank that and ate, which probably defeated the purpose of it, but whatever. I won't get into that.
1: It was a side piece. But it was,
0: somehow it got a hold of, uh, the tech sector, the tech sector very much so backed Soylent, much more so than other drink products like a, you know, like a Slim Fast or a Quest Nutrition. There's a lot of companies that make uh, liquid liquid meal replacements. But anyways, that's not yeah. what's interesting. What's interesting is they got acquired. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Good for them. But I looked into yeah. it. And I was like, wait a second. They raised over $133 million. So they must have been acquired for more. Couldn't find an acquisition price. Wait,
1: how much? So they raised how much? They money? raised
0: over 133.
1: Okay. And it. I was like, Oh, okay.
0: they must have exited. You know, the VCs were VCs got two times the amount got paid. You know, VCs were trying to get some mm-hmm. get some money, probably. You know, uh, and I started looking it up, and I was like, Oh, they got acquired by Starco Brands. Never heard of it. Let me look up Starco Brands. Starco Brands stock is trading at seventeen cents a share. I was like, What is this? Then I look up Starco Brands has a market cap valuation of fifty one million. So already less than fifty percent of what they raised, and it was an all stock deal. Mm. So they didn't give one hundred percent of the company to Swindland because they're still in charge. So mm-hmm. this is again two reminders. Number 1, health does not come from a package. I back to what yep. you said, yep. Stephanie, you have to eat whole foods. You might not eat there might be certain whole foods that aren't that are better for you and maybe some you should avoid. But in general, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone gets better eating packaged food. I think that's nope. a fact.
1: No. Nope. And like now more than ever, all the trends are showing that. I mean, I, Because I remember when Soylent was super popular when I was out working at Google, all the engineers were drinking it. But it was very much a like tech vibe. I'm just going to work at my computer and not eat and not go to the cafe and just drink Soylent. And then I think it kind of lost its steam for a little bit. And then we had them come on Up Next in Commerce podcast. We had the CEO come on and he was talking about how basically they were trying to get away from this tech bro vibe and show people this is the way. And like you said, like now more than ever, actually I think people are like, this doesn't feel like it's actually better for me. Like maybe it's a helpful thing for when I'm quickly running somewhere and I really cannot eat. Sure. But actually replacing my meals on a consistent basis with a drink, hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And doesn't then when right. you do the math, especially <laughs> if you eat inexpensively like I do, I never you know, do I calculate, have I calculated up that it cost me on average $2.50 to $3 per meal to feed my kids? I me, mean, you know, maybe I have calculated this. These meal replacement <laughs> things are much more expensive. They're almost always more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so here we have a scenario situation where I just want to always think I always think about this, which is like when you see something in the news hyping up a product or service or whatever it is, sometimes you gotta sit back and just really, I don't know, like a critical eye is the right word, but all I know is not everything is what it seems to be. And yeah. I think meal replacements, especially food, the food category goes through so many trends. Mm. You know, I think if I were guessing, I think VCs learned their lesson. They're not gonna get involved in food products. Um, they're not gonna value yeah. them like I software mean- products for sure. And <laughs> like that, that, just cause the software community likes it doesn't mean uh, it's a good software product. But you know, it, it got yeah. me thinking about, cause we had talked about health, but also another thing we th- probably think about over the weekend was resilience. Because, you know, on one hand, I see that. And then when I go on LinkedIn, I'm now seeing more and more people talking about what are they going to do financially? They're in a bad place. Mm -hmm. We ourselves went through layoffs. We're not safe yet. Like we we're working our way out, but we're not safe. And I wanted to talk about businesses that seem just to be ultra resilient. Uh, Clearly, meal replacement ain't one of them. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would, I would suspect by the way, everyone listening, like all the meal shipping product, like, you know, HelloFresh, um, Mm -hmm. trifecta. I think they're all, they were all already challenged in challenging markets. I think that it's going to be even more challenging. Like I would, that's something I would definitely cut if I was low on money, I would cut meal replacements.
1: I mean, anything that gets, I think a quick cult following. Um, if you think about any of the diets or any of that stuff, like That's what I think makes me think those areas are not as resilient. If you think about even like the keto trend and paleo and like food replacements, meal replacements, all this kind of stuff, like anything that gains traction really quickly. But you're like, man, I don't know if this has like a long term game with it now, especially everything's moving to this more personalized approach. Um, I mean, the best doctors are saying you should never follow. A diet plan that's not built for you. Like you should never do keto unless it's good for your body. You should never do plant-based unless you so know it's good for keto. your body. I
0: felt so bad. I've never felt yeah. worse in my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. So anything, I mean, that was what this other doctor and a couple of doctors have said, like, if you're ever getting prescribed a diet by someone who doesn't actually know your genes, your blood work, whatever, like you should never listen to that because once again, just because it works for someone doesn't work for others. So anything that's like that quickly gets a following and it's that trendy, I think, does not feel like it's a resilient business. Cause once you tap out that initial audience, I think you can lose steam very quickly. And then you're just trying to like rebuild and find new people to convince them of this trend that maybe is already passing. Yeah. Which Soylen, I feel like,
0: yeah. It's hard to ter- determine what is critical or needed. And this is where things get really interesting is like, because for certain things, like um, certain things people view as critical necessary. Like they cannot live without uh, certain things. Like I would say razors. Shampoo most people aren't willing to give up Soap and shampoo like they, they're going to do that Maybe. But I, was, I saw this thing on uh, On manscaped and how Much money manscaped is losing so that's another Brand again it got tons of
1: mm. And they were doing well
0: well they've never made A profit um, and they got a ton mm. Of venture backing and I read this thing about How sales are declining So much so and it's and I, mean, I guess it kind of makes sense it's you know Some of their products are like you know grooming devices For men but like yeah. You don't really do I need more than one like I don't know if I need more than one. So if I got one, like, do I buy one ever again? I don't even know. I've never personally bought one. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just one of those things that maybe not necessary. But again, you see the hype, and it feels like they're selling like crazy, and they were, but they're not selling in a profitable number. You know what got I was me? Saying, th- a lot
1: of these companies were built up on ads, like Manscaped. I mean, I hate to say it, but even I and mean, I love this brand and the founder and everything, but like things like Liquid Death, like they were built on this ad strategy, this marketing strategy, that it'll only work for so long. And Liquid Death is still probably working. I mean, like I said, I think they were great. And I do wonder, like, how long until someone's like, okay, the water's not any better than Aquafina spring water, so am I going to pay that premium for a metal container? Like, it has to be, you have to be able to figure out what is the lifetime value of a customer? How do I keep them coming? Same thing with Manscaped. They had so many Instagram ads running all the time it's like, but after you buy one, then what? Do you have upsells? Is there something that people are going to keep coming back for? Like, what else you got after that?
0: Yeah. And that got me starting to think about like resilient businesses, because that's something that is going mm-hmm. to be, I mean, necessary right now, right? We ourselves are trying to make our product more critical, which is challenged because we are in, we play in the marketing vertical. So I mm-hmm. think everyone knows that when times get tough, it's not that companies stop marketing, but they definitely that's one of the first budgets that get slashed. slashed. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to think like what Bill is businesses are surprisingly resilient. One of the things that we were joking about was car washes are like surprisingly mm-hmm. resilient. And we started asking ourselves, like, why is a car wash so resilient? And it's like because of its low cost structure. Its cost structure is so low. So Stephanie, and I b she's got a story, but there's a there's a car wash near me. It's a chain. And they sell memberships. They s- like you, you could buy a membership for how many times you could show up a month to get your car washed. Now, I want to tell you this business: the line coming out of the car wash, as far as the eye can see, it feels like a Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. People are lined up to wash their car, and. Our producer, Lacey, kind of brought it up like, oh, yeah, in a place like Alaska, it's necessary because it's so dirty and there's uh, corrosive material. Uh, They don't use salt there, but like there's corrosive material. There's whatever in the in the snow. It becomes a serious problem. You got to constantly wash it off. So like, oh, that makes total sense. And then we found out that, of course, a car wash's water is actually recycled. For those of you guys that don't know, your car wash water is not drawing water every single time it washes the car. It's coming from a Mm -hmm. tank of like recycled, reused water, which Pretty gross. Pretty gross if you think about it. But
1: (laughs) yeah, gross and smart. But it's got a
0: really low cost structure. And and now that people have figured out to sell subscriptions, this makes these these businesses highly, highly resilient. Because their costs are pretty Mm -hmm. fixed every every month.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, we have one here in Austin, right near like Barton Springs area, which is a very hot, popular area. This dude's like right on the corner of where everyone's just sitting and he has a line all the time out the door, and you go there and you know the CEO, whoever it founder, whatever he wants to call himself, he's out there checking on you, he knows your name, he remembers your car, Ooh, and he has like, personalized but he service. does things. Oh yeah, very personalized. Um, and the, they really don't charge that much, like it's a pretty good deal. But the other thing is, is that they add pieces to their business that in a city like Austin, you need to be cool. Like, you have to have something different. Like, maybe that's not the case in Alaska. It's like, we just offer good service or wherever, you know, Carolina is like, we just offer good service for a good price. Austin, I feel like you have to have something a little bit different about you to play in this space. And so this dude, he'll have DJs. Like, whenever there's, like, an event going on, he'll have a DJ out front, like, just to be cool. Like, I don't even know if it's getting him more car sales. This dude will... uh in the evening after seven o'clock if there's like you know austin city limits festival or something he will rent out his whole parking lot he's out there taking money 50 dollars a car to park their cars in his parking lot like he hustles and like that to me is a sign of how to build an ultimate like resilient business because not only do you have constant cash flow coming in from like a really good business that like people are going to want in good times and hard times they might pull back a little bit but for the most part people are probably going to want that but how can you also capitalize on the space you have on like your brand like people know this dude because of the like he had mimosas one day going outside free mimosas he's just like you want one you want one and people are like yo the car wash dude he's like he's legit he gives out mimosas he's got rat playing all the time and i think there's so many opportunities like that especially in like local cities of like Either finding something like that that I think you could invest in. I mean, I know the Cody Sanchez of the world always talk about getting in on car washes, uh, even the car bays, not even like with someone operating oh, it. Yeah. Coin operated laundry. Uh, I mean, sh- she has a whole thing about that. But I think there's a lot of opportunities to not only invest in those businesses or figure out how to get in on them, but then also add that hint of something that would resonate with the people in that town. Like, why would someone then want to choose you over someone else? Right. Because it's you- a commodity service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: you know one of the things that i i I love and also hate about people like cody sanchez which her advice by the Uh way is exact exceptionally brilliant is here here's the here's the cold hard reality unless you love cold calling you probably won't find it because a lot of these businesses because they generate so much cash flow they're not for sale so that means you have to do the grind work and which she rightfully will tell you like hey that's where the work is like you gotta find one and most people like oh i just want can you just show me one like if I if I knew where they were, I would call them myself. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. she's always plopping money down on things like that. But it is very true. I like how you also identified something that a lot of businesses they're going to try to do. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely more so when it's physical, like you know, the person has to be there, that personal touch. I mean, we all know Chick Fil A. That's what Chick Fil A does, right? It's my pleasure. Like they focus so much on service. One of the things that I used to use as a uh, a case study or talking for. Uh, for speeches and stuff, keynotes and stuff was DoubleTree. DoubleTree is more famous for its cookies than it is for its hotel. Which is like, how did how did people allow yep. a brand like that capture? Like, they give you a cookie, you feel great. It cost them what? Mm-hmm. I didn't mean, even cut like thirty cents.
1: Yeah, I'd say twenty.
0: Cents. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what it cost them to give you that cookie. You feel great. You feel like you're staying in a hotel that cares about you. These little things like that, you talked about the person bringing mimosas and or just being Mm -hmm. cheerful. You know, by the way, there was a sandwich shop here in Raleigh for the longest time. Crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. When he retired, though, no one really wanted to buy it. And his challenge was it was so personalized that like people like, but it's not really a business model I could run. So he was famous for knowing everybody's order. Uh He would not use any type of system. He would just write the tickets, call them in the back, and he would just- Like as you went to pick up your food, as the things came out, like he didn't need the ticket. So people were always fascinated. Like, could I put in a really complicated order, and would he forget it? He never forgot Mm -hmm. it. Like the guy was like a wizard, absolute wizard. But that business was resilient in that it was good business, but it wasn't able to be sold, which is a different goal because people were like, you are literally the business. Like if you retire, like you you don't even have a digital system to capture orders. Like you're still writing things on a ticket and like scratch.
1: Yep. So that's actually the kind of businesses that I personally try and stay away from. I'm like, I don't want to be the business. I don't want to be the brand. I don't want it to be built around me. I want to build a system, a product, a thing, whatever it is that can scale without me, without people being like, yo, Stephanie's the one who always does this thing. It's like, no, I actually don't want that. I'd rather things go on without me and be able to maybe sell something one day, whatever it may be. So I feel like finding something that has a bit of like, extra value added to it in a way that can be replicated like offering just extra perks like mimosa to car wash it's like anyone can do it and knowing what resonates with your mm-hmm. town is how to do it and I think I mean when thinking about how to get in on these businesses something that I've seen and I know you've talked about this too is how do you offer value from the start in a way of like a way that they're not already thinking about so calling them and being like hey you know I was just in your car wash I was just in your laundry mat whatever it was and I think if you brought this element into it, It'd be really helpful, and it's maybe something that actually you can offer. Like maybe it's an element of tech where you're like, "Hey, I saw that you still use fax machines. Like, I think I could help you do this, this, and this, and transform it." Um, or I saw that maybe like you have a lot of customers waiting in this area. Like, what have you kind of thought about how to keep customer success, like happiness, higher because you offer them this thing? This car wash also has mas- massage chairs in the waiting room. Free. So I don't know if they're free because I've never used it. Because I'm like. I've just never used it, but I see people in okay. them all the time. I don't know if they're free. I mean, if they were coin sure. operated,
0: I mean that's I don't why know. not.
1: But it's something extra. But that's right. I think you can get in on these businesses if you just show that you can add value in some way where it's like, oh, this would be a good partner because I don't know anything about what they're saying. And I can see how that would add value. And they've maybe been a customer of mine before. So I think there's a way to get in, but it's definitely not looking on like biz buy sell and just being like, oh, there's one like, at that point that that business is already gone. baby. like you don't even have a chance probably. Or if you do like it's marked up so high, you probably don't want to buy that. Yeah.
0: Right? Well, you'll see a lot of them get marked at about three X. Mm-hmm. I, I see three X SDE is a lot is a very common yeah. one. So uh seller discretionary, discretionary earnings. What's that? <laughs>
1: okay. I was like, don't do acronyms. Uh,
0: three, three SDE. times seller discretionary earnings is a common multiple. I've seen, um, Businesses that don't have a lot of assets sell for mm-hmm. uh, because if of course they have the equipment and machinery it's going to come with it. One of the more resilient businesses out there that's always for sale, if anyone's interested in them, um, it's just hard work, is a UPS store. Uh, most people don't realize mm-hmm. this, but UPS pays a percentage to its franchisees for accepting the package. So you don't have to sell the label. So mm-hmm. what you're talking about is... Um, let's say a $20 label, you might make 5% of the $20 label. So, you know, you're going to collect a dollar. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, except every time I look at a UPS store, there's boxes everywhere. Right. And mm-hmm. of course they can sell labels. They can sell the one thing that was challenging. So I looked into this cause you know me, I was like, wait, this sounds pretty easy. Right. If I, the average SDE in Raleigh for a UPS store is 155. $155,000 of earnings per UPS store to the owner. And I started mm-hmm. looking into this and some were doing like 200,000. I found one that was doing 200,000 that wanted 700,000 exit. So that would, that, you know, that's a little, a little mm-hmm. over three. So I went and yeah. started talking to him and I, cause I wanted to find out more about it. And I, and, I, and one of the things to your points um, that you said that I think 100% you should do if you're interested in doing this kind of thing is you should go do it and go live it and go ch- just like yeah. hang out for the day and just be like, hey, and I talked to the guys like, hey, do you mind if I hang out for a little bit? I mean, I'll just mess around the computer because you can pay per hour, but I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I want to see what it's like. What's it like working in the store? And I quickly learned the reason why they um, the job is challenging is how many people come in with bad labels. That's where the challenge is. Yeah. Right? It's like, hey, I can't accept this, Stephanie. You, you said it weighs a pound, it's, FedEx. it's 50 pounds. I don't understand. I, I always, I bought the, I bought the label. Like, yeah, I you bought a label, but this is a 50 pound box. You have a one pound label. And so they're the, they're the buffer between the person who bought the bad label Cause yeah. that's the number one fraud people try to do. They try to slip heavier packages on cheaper labels. And of course it won't scan. As soon as they scan it, they weigh it right there. They're like, yo, this don't fly. Right. Yep. So yeah, it's kind of you get yelled at a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get yelled at a lot. <laughs> it's not quite as easy as just taking the box. That's what I found out.
1: I mean, I definitely know it's probably not as easy as that. But the one thing I think about with yes, that sounds annoying. I feel like a lot of those kind of jobs, you'll get yelled at those. <laughs> That's just life with some of those industries. But I also just think what kind of companies can you take who have no brand love and be like in my city, I'm going to make it have brand love. Like, cause I think about how many mm. FedEx UPS, whatever stores are around. I literally don't. Well, those are changed. So you have less
0: impact on them,
1: but like whatever it might be. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking there's so many things like that though, where I'm like, I'm literally just maybe going to go. It's closest. However, I could get pulled if there was something else that was maybe offered. I mean, you'd have to really know like your customers, like who are the people who are coming in. But I do think there's like opportunity for companies to just think about like, what can I offer to get someone to maybe to come to my UPS store versus the one like I'm literally in the middle of like four. And so I don't really like whatever ones seems like it's closest or whatever one I feel like going to. I just go, but it's pretty random. The ones I pick to go to. so I'm like, if some if they had something there that was better than the other three, because you're kind of competing with the other ones, right? Yes. Like other owners. Yes. I don't feel like there's ever competition happening. Like if I look at these different stores, oh, well, I mean
0: that's chain, so they they make sure theirs are all the same.
1: But like, can't you still offer something better though? Because you're like, I own this one, and my UPS store is gonna be uh, fly. Yeah. We're gonna so like you could. offer this when you come so in. So there's
0: gonna be rules. Every franchisee is gonna franchise is gonna have rules. Yeah. Probably like more about what you can sell, but it's not a bad idea. Like if you were to say, hey, I'm gonna invest in a popcorn machine, something, mm-hmm. and. I don't know if you can put food in place, but like there's probably something you could do that's like okay and permissible to make your store um, more attractive because there is no question about it. I looked at this very closely. There are some that do way more money. And, and even if they're in like less dense populations, they, they're they still doing more money. Mm-hmm. So there's something to the way they're operating their their, their store. But anyway. Yeah,
1: that's what I'd want to know. What are they doing? Yeah. I'd want the case study of that before I ever get into any of these businesses. Like what are the things that are pulling people that way Um, but then i also think i worry about those like if i think about a ups store how quickly could those maybe go away like if amazon were just to come in and be like we'll just pick up everything from your door and we'll ship it like how quickly they could just maybe start and who knows if they could really do that but i mean i think about this this company capsule i don't know if you know them. they're like they do pharmaceuticals they deliver them to your door and they basically came in and you don't really need pharmacies anymore because of them and it made me think, like, how many other companies are out there? Industries could just get wiped out by someone like that, who's like, "Oh yeah, you don't need to go to a pharmacy to pick up that antibiotic. We'll just ship it to your door. You don't even need to talk to a doctor." So we have doctors. So
0: virtually. do doctors write to capsule?
1: I don't know. I mean, I should know this because I interviewed. Them. Uh, I feel um, like I, feel, I think. Yes. I feel like the number one. think they one,
0: do. I feel like the number one place they write to is the pharmacies. Anyways, by the way.
1: Yes, that's for doctors, dude. Yeah. Have, have you, you seen that?
0: disturbing it is like when you go to a pharmacy how many packages are waiting to be picked up it's disturbing to see
1: is it because doctors are just like over prescribing like you probably need these five things and then you leave and you're like it's actually,
0: just I'm a it's just a five. lot there's a lot there's a lot of packages in every day like you know rows and rows and rows And what's weird about what's weird about uh, pharmaceutical companies which i've always thought was weird is um on one hand, they're selling you the medicine that's supposed to help you. On the very next aisle, they're selling the shit that's going to kill you. Like the chocolates, junk food, Slim Jims. Mm-hmm. Like.
1: They're right next to a liquor store. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're, but yeah. anyway, the 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 pairing, the one thing I think about what you said earlier, that I'm actually surprised more businesses don't try to do, is why don't more businesses try to pair up? I'll give an example of like where personalized service is going to go a great length. And then if you could pair up with somebody, it would probably take it to the stratosphere, which is tutoring services. So every, mm-hmm. every mom or dad wants their tutoring service or learning accelerator. It doesn't matter. Like I take my kids to Kumon. Everyone, if you don't know what Kumon is, anyone's willing to look it up. It's basically just straight up Asian-ness, like just giving you math packets, oh. telling you to grind it out and do it. And uh, my kids have really accelerated. I, by the way, their logo is like the sad kid. It's the most appropriate logo ever. Um, it's, a, it's like
1: a sad Asian it's kid. It's a sad Asian like kid. With like a little face. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and <laughs> people are like, why is that their logo? I was like, because that's how your kids are going to feel. And we've just yeah. gone to the other side and just said, I don't care that you hate it. Like, I, like this is a requirement. And uh, we we just push our kids into Kumon. And anyways, it, they hate it. They hate every second of it. But it's been un, immeasurably beneficial for them. Um, all three are in accelerated learning paths. But I always thought about like, why is there not a business right next door that's like a, got a good waiting area type system? Like, why isn't there not? Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about a bar. I'm not trying to get drunk every day. But like a gym, mm-hmm. a gym would be a smart thing mm-hmm. to open next to a learning center. Um,
1: yep.
0: Some type of relaxation, right? Like massage, sauna. Like, there's. A, Cryotherapy, uh, Mm -hmm. there's different businesses that do that kind of stuff.
1: That's a good idea. Like finding out, I mean, I think about the little gyms for kids that you can send your kid to for like an hour and they go and play and jump on things or whatever. Like, what if you targeted your next business idea, if it's like a retail location, to put it next to something like that where you're like, well, my kid's going to be here for an hour. So I might as well go to the gym or I might as well go to this juice bar right next door or that's i think about that
0: all the time like i know because none of the kumon centers that i've taken my kids to are next to something like that and Mm -hmm. i was like oh this would be super beneficial like if you had um cycling class you can have mirrors of cycles like and if people want to go look at their kid i don't know they could but i always think about pairings like that that could be potentially beneficial but for your, you know i think one of the things I'd like to hear from you, Steph, is like, what are you doing? Because like, as much as we want to work on mission, which is our primary thing, I think
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've always said this. I'm naturally just my mind just goes in many places. I've never just only done one thing, which every boss hates about me, um, but I, I won't change.
1: I don't. I kept you here for a reason. <laughs> I know,
0: but like it probably won't change about me. You know what I mean? Um, maybe we should share some of the things that we're doing because we know that you know, this is a battle. We are going to be fighting to bring mission back. But at the same time, our interests don't die. And I think for me personally, understanding resilient businesses more so than ever is like what I'm very interested in right now. Um, so I think that'd be a good thing to talk about. Let's share that.
1: Okay, so I want to get into this with you. And this is going to be out to be a long, lengthy conversation. So how about we do this in a part two episode tomorrow? tomorrow. So you and I can really like spend all the time. Take it up tomorrow. All right, cool. All right, so... For everyone listening, thank you for being here with us today. If you could, we would love a rating, a review. Let us know how we're doing. We want to know if you guys like this. That'd be super helpful. We'll see you in tomorrow's episode.